think about the most negative person in your life and how difficult it is to be around them. And everything's always sarcastic. Everything's always cynical. Everything's always negative. Eventually, we just kind of pull away. We don't want to be around those people. Do you want people to view you like that? Think of the most positive person you know, somebody who's always got a good word for other people, somebody who's always patient, understanding, selfless. Aren't we attracted to those people? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Zessi with Tyler Weeb, and today we're going to talk about a subject that is slippery enough, Tyler, that I, I feel like I got to give myself some warnings and boundaries up front. The less you know about something, the less confident you are to discuss it, the more words and the more repetition and the more external processing you do. And I feel like I could go down that rabbit hole and just endlessly talk like I am now. So I'm going to try and create a little outline up front to at least hold myself to. But as I perceive the topic of positivity, and we've done some podcasts that directly look at happiness and so forth, self-efficacy, but this question about positivity, can somebody be happy? Can somebody remain positive genuinely, even in circumstances that may not be? And, and where is that mindset type connection? And is there a standard? Because we know, for example, research shows that some people who are more negative actually do better in life. They're a little happier in life. Uh, and I, it, it makes me think of that polarity, that the spectrum that we're always on. And we want to think it's totally one way or totally the other. But with that as a caveat, I, I want to say that those kinds of things show some discernment, some level of positive neuroticism that I don't necessarily just believe everything glibly. I'm cautious. I'm careful that that can have some components of negativity. And so the center of this topic, I think, is that personality, that that thing that's moldable by us. But we also have the biology, the neurochemistry that we have. And we also do have the true circumstances that can be awful. So those three hash marks, I think, are on that, that timeline of how can we even pursue positivity? And, and I'll lead with one example that I think sticks us right in the center. Uh, I've been working with some family members, uh, some difficult times in, in a, a section of my family, and at one point I had this thread going with family members and it just devolved into who's the least happy, who's the most sick. And it was this contest, like a race to the bottom of who's got the worst life. And, and I'm interested to ask you, you know that like we all have those people in our lives, right? Where everything is always negative. Everything's always a catastrophe. Why would somebody do that? There has to be incentive there has to be value. And I think that's the question we should start with. So in your opinion, when somebody lives that life and they insulate themselves in just impenetrable negativity, why do they do that? <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to also bring up, like you always see it in like, I don't know how much, you know, nowadays you see it. I think the mindset, mind um, set has shifted a little, but in like prep and uh, culture, who can suffer the most, who can do the most cardio, who can eat the least amount of food. And it's almost like 
we take pride in who can suffer the most and, you know, take on the most uh, baggage and, and still, you know, go forward and move forward with it. And yeah, you know, like you said, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, it's a contest for a lot of people and it's something it's like, you know, can we collect as much as we can? And I mean, why? I mean, that's so hard to say because, you know, in one sense you could look at, you know, the way, you know, look at North America, right? It's about doing the hard work and being successful and, you know, plowing through every single hard thing in your life and then putting your head down. So, you know, does it come from that? Or, you know, or does it come from someone who is just looking for attention? You know, is it just a way to go, hey, like, look at me, feel sorry for me? You know, do they feel sorry for themselves? It's such a hard thing, I think, to give a a full answer of why. Um, You know, I think for myself, I do tend to try and have a little bit more of of, of a positive outlook, try and look for the silver lining and things. But at times, you know, they, they it does come with the pitfalls of I'll maybe miss something that, you know, it's this this isn't going to work. You know, take Steph, my wife, for instance, she's the other way. We talk about something, you know, the first four things she mentions is why we can't do this thing. And I think about the first four things of why we can do it. Um, and a lot of times it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we can't do that. I just that's not the way I'm going to go right away. And so there's certainly this give and take that you need to kind of find of, you know, having a positive outlook, because I think always just reacting with the negative, it's not a lot of fun, right? Like you want to look forward to things and you want to enjoy life. But like you were kind of saying, you know, you get so far into the positive, you know, you can miss a lot of those red flags that it's like, Hey, like we need to be a little bit more skeptical of this or, or investigate this a little bit further. Well, you, you asked right there toward the end, you know, of course I want to be positive. Why would I not? And Freud answered why you would not. <laughs> he said, not everybody wants freedom. We know autonomy is the single greatest psychological motivator for human behavior. Uh, so we think, yes, we want to make our own decisions. We want to be in charge. We want some level of self-efficacy. We want to know that external forces aren't oppressing us except freud said not everybody wants that because then you have to accept the responsibility of the results and so in my family it is definitely a learned trait out of my four siblings and me five children three of us have actually gone in you know into counseling to work through some of this the other two should um but it's all because we had a parent who was so hyper negative. Everything was always negative to a catastrophic pitch and even vocal tone. And so our first reactions are typically hyper anxious as well. Everything is, you know, you expect the worst to happen. And so those in my family who still harbor that they have not worked through it. It's just a natural reaction because then you can always, and this is what this is what I want our, our listeners and viewers to consider in themselves. You have to do an inventory of how negative you see things. Is every reaction out there initially negative or is it neutral or is it positive? And then you have to ask, what value, what am I getting out of this being negative? And if we're really honest, we can just say, look, Bad things happen all the time. That's why it went bad. It's not It's not my lack of preparation. It's not my lack of good decision-making. It's just something else. And it's always a 
bad circumstance. It's always somebody else who did that, caused it. I'm not at fault. Uh, even just fate, you know, hey, that just happens sometimes. Or the devil did it, or God did it, or the universe did it. But it wasn't me. It's not my fault. I don't have to take responsibility if I just think everything is always shitty. And as soon as I decide that I'm in charge, then I've got to accept the results of everything. And like, that's, that's scary for a lot of people. Like I'm, I'm thinking of, of someone in particular, you know, that I know that, you know, I see them living this out in real life and how much fear it has induced of doing things outside of a comfort zone, like the most mini school of, of, of comfort zones and, you know, how much that's affected this person's life and, and, you know, how much that they live their life in this fear is with these negative thoughts with, you know, one little thing, you know, anxiety is, is through the roof and to try and take that step into, you know, having and being okay with that responsibility can be such a big one for a lot of people because it can be, it can be difficult to, set those boundaries. It can be difficult to really internalize and investigate, you know, what is going to make me happy and what decisions can I responsibly take that are going to lead me down these paths where I can find that happiness. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. And, and, and yeah, it, it just, you kind of talking about that really brought up this person and, and then just being able to, you know, really see that in real time. It's, it's fascinating just how much of, you know, that, that negative thought process can build and, and lead to all of these other different things that now just affect every single area of your life. Well, and you, you know, I want to come back to your question or, or your statement that, of course, we want everything to be positive. We want that mindset. So why don't we go there? And, and I want to say, so, so there is an entire field called positive psychology, you know, start at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, two of the guys, Dr. Seligman and Peterson, I quote them often, you know, they're, they don't study it because they think everybody just needs this optimistic panacea. We just, we just stick our heads in the sand, pretend everything's great. Everything's positive. La, 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 not going to listen to the negative. That doesn't necessarily work either, but there is a way through cognitive behavioral therapy, neuroplasticity, even if you're doing it yourself to start to measure your expectations, because once you realize maybe I am too negative, maybe there is this voice in my head from childhood or just my internal wiring, like I just tend to be too cynical and I want to be happier, then what should we do? The first thing we have to do is, is address that gap in the middle of this is what I expect life to be like. This is what life is in my true experience. And if I expect everything to be amazing all the time and it's not, all of that margin is discontent. It's, it's negativity. And so part of it has to be, we just say, okay, wait a second, what's real life supposed to be like? And what can I expect? And, and some people in the painfully care, almost caricature of uh, positive psychology, where it's just, you know, name it and claim it or put it out in the universe and the universe will do that for you. Everything happens for a reason. We know that's BS, 
But if you take the time to work in that direction through true neuroplasticity, your brain does change and you become happier with things that normally wouldn't make you happy. You can go outside and just feel the sun on your face and you can feel happy. And studies biometrically, just biologically, you know, show that the happier we are, C-reactive protein goes down, systemic inflammation, our immune system stays better. I mean, you literally can improve or, or decrease your health with your thoughts. And so that's why, even though I'm not a woo-woo, just name it and claim it kind of guy, like there is a part of you training your brain physiologically to be at a space where you're secreting more oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, things like that, instead of cortisol and anxiety. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we are, you know, neurochemical electric machines internally, and all of these things around us are going to create those hormonal responses. Yeah, like it would be so much of like slowing down and smelling the roses. I know we've kind of mentioned that in the past and, and truly, you know, making and, and, and taking the, the, the time to stay in the moment, to be present. You know, we, we get so caught up in what's next, what's next, what's next. It's, it's like we create this anxiety for ourselves. You know, we almost feel like we have to always be onto the next best thing and, and, you know, do this, do that we almost spend more time looking forward to what we're going to be doing than actually enjoying the activity when we finally get there. Right. You know, what do we always say after a vacation? Wow. That I spent all this time being excited about it and now I'm already home. Right. And it's like, we've already just moved past it and we're on to the next thing. And we almost didn't even necessarily enjoy it. We're already planning our next steps halfway through that vacation. And so, you know, for myself and I think, you know, really trying to, find that happiness within, I think, you know, a, a lot of negativity right now, it is just kind of enjoying those small moments where, you know what, like, after I pick up Quinn from daycare, it's just literally sitting in the backyard and playing and hanging out and talking and just, just being mm -hmm. right. And it's in those small moments where it's like, Hey, like, I'm being present, I'm being here, I'm with my daughter. And, you know, I'm able to drive that happiness from it. Because, Every, I mean, hell, you don't know what's going to happen the next day. You know, if we've, you know, the last two years have taught us anything. Um, and, and so, you know, just not, you know, trying to look too far forward into the future, you know, not to say that you can't plan and, and, and make plans and work towards those plans, but, you know, really trying to find that happiness comes just down to things trying so hard to stay in the moment and, and really appreciate, you know, what you're doing on a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis. And as you broke that down, you were reflecting on reflection, which is the key. Uh, so so a, a quick way to do kind of a self inventory uh, you're in traffic and somebody like speeds around you, it, maybe not even disrupting you. Like you're, I'm, I'm going 75 down the interstate and somebody passes me clearly going a hundred is my first reaction. What a fucking idiot. Like, what's he doing? He's going to kill somebody. Or is it like, wow, I hope nothing's wrong. I hope like there's not a medical emergency. Like if your initial response is just anger, you know, that's something to say. Why, why, why didn't I assume something positive? Uh, you know, same thing. Somebody interrupts you, bothers you. Are you somebody who gets super frustrated or, you know, you can break into a new moment and create some empathy? Like, like if you 
can check those things and then decide, wait a second, would, would I be a happier person? I have less general anxiety. You know, think of our clients who, you know, s- some people don't win a show and it's like, hey, coach, that's great. You know, I learned a ton. It was still my best. You know, that's those are the breaks and they move on or they become despondent and negative. And, and maybe, as we said earlier, they're blaming other people. It's somebody else's fault. And, you know, those are the spaces you want to be in. And, and the two the two books that come to mind are, of course, Mindset by, by Dweck in 2006, who literally created the whole uh, explosion of mindfulness. Um, but it's all hinged on these two different poles. You're either open-minded or closed-minded. You know, you're on one side of that continuum. If you are closed-minded, again, you've insulated yourself into everything's negative. I don't have to grow. I don't have to change my mind or my opinion about anything. I just think bad, 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 unless I agree, and then it's good. So it's just okay to be negative. But somebody like Dr. Siegel, who wrote Mind Sight, and the subtitle is The New Science of Personal Transformation, what he teaches in this is that hyper-awareness and then you having the self-efficacy to control and change that. And it takes that therapeutic process of just recognizing each time and then saying, oh, crap, I did it again. You know, I, I want to work on that. I want to work on that. And you keep doing that. And then you do get the, these neuroplastic response changes in your literal brain. And as arduous as that is, because it takes a lot of time, it's it's the only path forward. Um, it's funny that we're talking about this today because I was I was listening to something else kind of similar to, to what we're chatting about. And I think it was the I think it was Dr. Huberman. And he suggested that, you know, if you have the time, um, get behind the biggest line at the grocery store or, you know, into traffic, you know, stay in the slow lane and go the, go the speed the whole time and teach yourself to just slow down, be with your thoughts and, and, and not rush and rush and rush into the next thing. And so I don't know how much I'm going to be doing that, but I still thought it was a, a cool little you know, uh, practice, you know, that, you know, next time maybe you are sitting in bumper to bumper traffic or what have you, you know, to go, Hey, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity, practice some mindfulness, be with my own thoughts, because, you know, that's where a lot of that therapeutic discovery can, can start to come from. Well, and I'll, I'll wrap us up with just the, the two different polls we described, you know, why would you have the incentive to be a negative person? Why would you have the incentive to be positive? And as part of just this self-inventory, I would ask everybody to take just in an extended way, just, just over and over and over, start to think about these things. I want you right now just to think about the most negative person in your life and how difficult it is to be around them. And everything's always sarcastic. Everything's always cynical. Everything's always negative. Eventually, we just kind of pull away. We don't want to be around those people. Do you want people to view you like that? Think of the most positive person you know, somebody who's always got a good word for other people, somebody who's always patient, understanding, selfless. Aren't we attracted to those people? And so you've got that positivity and negativity on the same continuum. And I I just feel like if we don't start there and recognize who we are and, and ask ourselves why we want to be different on that continuum, we do miss all those biological and psychological um, benefits, the, the the literal health and immunity benefits, as well as the positivity, which leads to social benefits, which leads to independent happiness, 
you know, when you've, you've decided to bring your outcomes up to meet your expectations and your expectations, you know, in line with where they should be. That, to me, that's just foundational to life. Amen. Okay. That's it then. All right, man. Thank you, uh, Tyler. And we will <laughs> see you guys next time in the Mind Muscle Connection.